Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City. And this is the Superflex Super Show. Man, I still have just a little bit of that uh, that, that cough and congestion left, the last remnants of COVID. Um, but I feel like COVID brain is gone. And man, it is absolutely perfect timing. Um, I was able to, uh, I had a great conversation last week with Scott Connor. Um, but man, this week, this week we get to talk quarterback extreme a little bit, uh, <laughs> which, uh, you know, I mentioned it on the show last week. We've been kind of, uh, for the most part, avoiding that, letting other people uh, represent some other strategies. Well, I've got a guest today, Josh Bigby from Fusion Fantasy Football. Uh, at generally a generally underscore aware and then uh, the podcast itself is at fusion ffb and fusion ffb.com and uh josh you've got you you kind of created yeah like i think i think that the best way to describe this is you essentially consolidated all of these draft strategies quarterback extreme included into one kind of like all under one umbrella, uh, which you call the high ground. So this, this there's, there's a lot of different ways that we can go with this a lot that I want to get to when it comes to this. But I think honestly, the best way to get started with this is just to have you explain what the high ground strategy is. Thanks, John. Uh, man, that, what a great intro. You just, I mean, it's one thing to hear it on the podcast, but then, uh, to see you just turn on that uh, that radio host <laughs> voice, you just just on. So uh, yeah, I'm glad you're feeling better, but uh, you still sounded pretty good. Don't worry about it. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, high ground draft approach. Um, because I'm bad at naming things, and um, <laughs> hey, so if you have a better name, please by all means, I'm taking submissions. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with this name, by the way, especially like I, and I I shouldn't interrupt i should let you explain this first because i think that people are going to feel the same way i think they're going to be like yeah that's that's a very uh very appropriate name for this yeah i have, have a good time with the uh obi-wan kenobi high ground uh gifs too of course yeah. always a good opportunity um because it's such a 
conceptual and by definition principle-based approach there's no hard and fast rules i mean they say that about zero running back oh it doesn't have to be four rounds five rounds three rounds it's flexible um high ground draft approach isn't even is even less <laughs> defined than that not flexible <laughs> um it's well, not super flexy it's extremely flexible um but basically like you said i i looked at all the extreme approaches be it zero running back robust running back early tight end late tight end quarterback extreme late quarterback i mean i started playing fantasy football 2008 um somebody out there recently said that i don't care uh you can't prove it nobody here has always been late round quarterback and i don't know i think i might be able to claim to always been late round quarterback because my first team was auto drafted for me it was my wife's office work league <laughs> and they gave me in the auto draft mark bulger in like the second round or something Mm -hmm. um yeah not not very good and i ended up picking up kurt warner in arizona off of waivers and i rode him and d'angelo william to a championship um so i learned very early on the value of waivers and always waiting on quarterback because i looked at it and i figured this makes no sense they all score a lot i'll just wait a little bit um, but in all of these decisions and all of these strategies, there's principles, there's reasons behind our thinking. And in listening to a lot of, to listening to you talk about quarterback extreme, listening to, you know, Matt Kelly or these guys talking about robust running back, or even before that, listening to some of the, you know, ship chaser kind of guys, these, these zero running back more um on best ball and, and so on that we're really pushing more of a zero running back or or anchor running back kind of approach i was hearing them describe their reasons for doing things for taking certain positions or waiting on positions and i was realizing that a, a lot of the specific conclusions for these strategies were specific to their leagues and league types and they were they were principles that were really based on conclusions instead of conclusions based on principles by that i mean they, they didn't have a wide ranging principle that could be applied to any given situation and they were just applying it to their league they were looking at these leagues and saying zero running back is the best for this but what happens when this changes and we've seen that you know what happens when half the teams in your high stakes draft are also drafting zero running back suddenly it does not work nearly as well because everyone's waiting on running back and you end up with all the same teams you had before just with the running backs and wide receivers taken at different rounds but it still ends up the same it wasn't before you you lose those values and so i wanted to come up with 
an idea. And so I just observed and listened as much as I could. And I basically said, look, if we're going to go extreme, let's just go extreme. But let's craft some principles to follow uh, that'll let you go extreme in any given direction. Yeah. In any type of league, in any kind of scoring. Right. So, yeah. So just to kind of distill it a little bit, what we're what we're basically saying is, if you're, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go quarterback extreme, you know, go all the way. Like there's, there's not a whole lot of benefit to, uh, you know, to taking two quarterbacks early on, which in, in, by the way, like that's kind of the strategy that's, that's, uh, been talked about quite a bit on this episode, um, you know, or on this, uh, on this show, the last several episodes is, you know, just get two strong quarterbacks and, you know, it, you, you can certainly create a, a scoring advantage, um, you know, generally speaking against most other teams, but, you don't create just kind of a, a market advantage the way you could with a, with a strategy like quarterback extreme. Um, you know, it's, it's, and so way, at least the way I understand it, you're essentially saying if you stop with it, just two quarterbacks, it doesn't matter. You know, if, even if those are two elite quarterbacks, if you stop there, you're really kind of giving up the high ground that you started to uh to kind of create for yourself and so um you know to me this uh it it, it definitely sounds like uh a, a a thumbs up vote <laughs> for quarterback extreme um it does make me think though that you might even be going more extreme with it than i would uh so qbx obviously you know one of the guidelines is um you know, we're taking three quarterbacks in the first four rounds. Yeah, you, you still kind of, you still at least, you know, get a little bit of a foothold on one of the other high grounds at another position, you know, early on. For me, it's usually running back. To me, like the two, the two positions where you can really create that advantage, it's quarterback and running back. I, you can make the argument for tight end. I've done that, you know, with a heavy tight end premium. I'll start off, you know, quarterback, Kyle Pitts, quarterback, um, or in two quarterbacks, essentially. That's that's the type of move that I've made in startups. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're still mixing in one of the other positions where, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it sounds like you're really kind of advocating here for just don't stop at quarterbacks until they're gone. Well, again, it depends on the application. So actually, I wanted to pick your brain. So quarterback extreme, anyone who's been listening to you is familiar with you. They're going to know these answers to my questions for you. And I think I know them too, but hmm. let's just let's just work through it here. How did you arrive at the decision that quarterbacks were what you wanted the most of? Yeah. Um, it's, it, it supply and demand, you know, basic economics. Right. It's a scarcity of the position. Scarcity. Yeah. yeah. Good word. Yeah. All right. And then also they also are just scoring high points. Yeah. 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 So it, 
unlike with running back where maybe if it's tight end premium and you get it early enough, you know, you can get that, but then there's really not much point in stacking up like four of them uh, that that wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to make sense for the points return as well. Yeah. That is the principle, you know, that I'd be chasing mm-hmm. is right there is when you, one of the first, so the, like I said, it's not really a hard, fast rules. So I kind of made a few flexible rules. And the first one is to, to scout your league, to know your league, know the scoring and know how the positional averages land um, by that. That's something I've been doing a lot of lately by that. I mean, is the running back one from let's say 2017 through 2021 on average, what's been his total points or points per game, right? And then what's the average been for the running back? Two, three, four, all the way down the line. Apply that to every position. And I, I've been able to do that, and I have charts that I can show that. And, in fact, if you go to at FusionFFB on Twitter, one of my, I think it's my last tweet, has the points per game and the season long for Scott Fishbowl scoring. Mm-hmm. And you can see how it drops off, how it, where, you know, wide receiver finally overtakes running back as far as the position. Now, it's not, there's no ADP in that. If I had some ADP, I maybe would be able to work that in. But the point is, you want to know at what point in your draft the values are for what positions to get the most bang for your buck, right? Mm-hmm. High ground is a draft approach only, whereas quarterback extreme, because it's a dynasty specific strategy, there's a lot more to it than just your draft, mm-hmm. right? You're you're implementing your flywheel approach. You're trying to spin these assets into more assets, right? You're trying to continue that forward. That is something you can do coming out of the high ground, obviously. But I'm not so much specific on that yet. But that's why your strategy is great, because you can be using the high ground rules to draft QBX, but then listen to you for advice on how to carry that out into continuing seasons of Dynasty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first principle is, yeah, you want to find out what what's going to get you the most points. Um, it doesn't have to be... When I say, I say that you want you want to pick what position going in that you want to be the best team coming out of the draft, mm-hmm. not not second best, not third best, the unquestioned most value at that position. However, you want to look at that, and it doesn't have to be just starters. It can also be in depth. It can be in. Um, there's some fun sites out there now where you can plug in your sleeper account and uh, import your league and it'll give you the keep trade cut, you know, values and it'll show your positional values and you can see it pretty clearly whatever you value keep trade cut as, but uh, it's still an interesting, fun thing to look at. And that's kind of what I'm saying. So just because I'm saying I want the high ground on, let's say if it's Superflex dynasty and I recently did one, 
in like February. So maybe, yeah, you didn't know this, but that's maybe why I wanted to get on here. I can pick your brain about it. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> yeah, Hell see yeah. what I'm supposed to do with this thing now. <laughs> um, but I ended up with Mahomes and Jalen Hurts and Kirk Cousins and Sam Darnold and Jimmy Garoppolo. And then in the rookie draft, I got Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis. Yeah. And so I'm sitting on these like seven quarterbacks, a good five of which may be starting this year, mm -hmm. conceivably. We'll see about Darnold and Jimmy, obviously. They were super cheap. But how I go forward now is beyond high ground draft approach. But when I was going into that and coming out of that draft, I'm, I'm looking at my team and I'm saying, yeah, I have... I have high-end value starters, and I have trade depth. I have the best quarterbacks as a whole position group in that league. Mm -hmm. But the other side of this, because you are going to be the best at something, you also want to identify what you're willing to be the worst at. And that's a big part of the high ground approach as well, is what are you willing to give up? Yeah. And that's oftentimes tight end, especially if there's no tight end premium. But it depends on, on the league. I mean, even in Scott Fishbowl, um, you could go early tight end, but then wait on the wide receivers if you wanted to, and end up wide receivers being your worst position group. But you could just draft volume of wide receivers late. And so depending on how you want to calculate value, maybe you're not that bad, but your actual starters, you know, points, starting points are probably not going to be very good. And you're hoping to make it up in the other ways. So yeah. the, the point of, and use the word scarcity. So I, I did write something when I had to try and come up with some definition of high ground. It's basically a high ground draft approach um, it's based on the principle of reinforcing your strengths while creating that scarcity um, that'll hurt your opponents. And instead of chasing your weakness um, and thereby helping your opponents, you're chasing your strengths and robbing them. We think of opportunity costs so often as what we're losing you know, if I take Christian McCaffrey, I'm not going to be able to get, I don't know, Dak Prescott in the Superflex or something. Yeah. Or else Scott Fishbowl's on the mind. So, you know, I'm not going to be able to get Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan uh, Taylor or Jonathan Taylor. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But. If I and it's so obvious, we don't think about it. And like I said, my ops, I took a long time of just ops observing and listening to people and the reasons they had behind things that they maybe weren't even identifying. You know, I was listening to some of these podcasts and I'm like, that's just high ground approach. That's just high ground approach. Um, every time you take a player, you're denying all the other teams that player. When mm -hmm. I get Christian McCaffrey, no one else gets Christian McCaffrey, and there's one less running back at the top, top end, high end running back for any other team to take. Yeah. And that happens every time I take my strength. I am robbing the rest of the league of strength. Yeah. And yeah. when I reach on a player because I'm like, oh, 
they have good wide receivers. I need a wide receiver now. I'm helping them. I'm bailing them out, basically. And these are all things we know. I mean, that's why I say this is so, it's kind of like, yeah, okay, Josh, we, we know this, right? But I wanted to put all of these rules and, and all of these thoughts in one place because it's so easy to not be intentional about it. And it's so easy to get caught. I don't want to say emotional, but yeah, we get scared. We get anxious of of how the drafts is going in the middle of a draft, especially of a, a, a quick draft, speed draft. Mm-hmm. And having kind of these these principles in place will help you help guide you through that is my hope. Yeah. So back to this league that you just drafted uh, where you where you went quarterback extreme, essentially. Um, I tried. <laughs> yeah. I clicked in, in the it's, third round. No, yeah. fourth round and accidentally took um, David Montgomery instead of Matthew Stafford. I was really annoyed. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> that's like, that's that's particularly hurtful because Matthew Stafford is is so much, so much more valuable than David. Like they shouldn't even be next to each other in anybody's yeah. queue, you know. I, I recovered um, a little bit with a late Kirk Cousins in like the next round or something. Yeah, yeah. So, and also, I mean, another thing that I need to acknowledge here is quarterback extreme in 2022 is difficult (laughs) it's very difficult because we do have so many of these guys we've got i mean is it drew lock or is it geno smith or do they still make a move for baker mayfield like there's three potential guys in seattle there's it could be sam darnold in carolina or it could be jimmy garoppolo you know via trade it uh, it could also be um uh is it, it's Sam Howell, right? Is the one that they drafted. I can't even remember now. But like, there's uh, Coral. Oh uh, yeah, Matt Corral. There you go. Yeah. So you know, there's there's kind of three possibilities for that job. Um, we don't know. Is it Deshaun Watson? There is it Jacoby Brissett. I mean, it, it'll be Jacoby Brissett, but for how long? So how how viable is he? Is an option. And then I mean, we get some really bad rookies coming in. And we're, we're trying to figure out, I mean, is this like, is this a guy who has an actual shot to start? Is Malik Willis actually going to get on the field? Is Desmond Ritter actually going to get on the field? And it's like, it it seems plausible from a talent perspective, but from a draft capital perspective, it's kind of, it, it doesn't seem like a priority to those teams. It, it makes it really tough. So, you know, we're sitting here in our, in our startups trying to figure out, do I take Marcus Mariota, you know, with the idea that he's probably going to be my st- a starting quarterback in my rotation for the entire season? Or do I, you know, do I buy into the idea that Desmond Ritter is going to step in at some point? We're, we've, we just have those landmines all over the damn place. And we have probably somewhere in the neighborhood of, 20 24 quarterbacks that we know you know for a fact they're going to be starters this year but then you take out you know the matt ryans of the world and davis mills you know the guys that were like they're they're starters now but i mean 
it's it's really hard to invest in a guy who's going to have his job for an entire season and then and then I lose him completely and I've got to readdress this situation. That's the whole thing with quarterback. It the whole reason to invest early is because they're supposed to be foundational. Right now they're not. <laughs> a lot of them are not. A lot of them are going to be one-year propositions just like the the you know the older running backs. So there's kind of no reason to prioritize Matt Ryan over, you know, Joe Mixon right at the moment, because they could easily give you the exact same number of games going forward. So it, it, it makes it really tough to navigate the quarterback position, and it makes it really tough to get to five where you're just like, all right, now I've got I've got five starters here. I'm going to be able to to you know, have a rotation going based on who's got the best matchups. I'm going to have trade leverage because I'm the only one in the league with, you know, uh, with a, a fifth starter that I could potentially trade away without getting one in return, which we know is super valuable. All of these things that, that have been, you know, core principles of quarterback extreme just kind of don't really exist right at the moment. And it makes it really tough. Um, to to navigate the quarterback position and to build that you know that QBX type roster, um, it, it. So I guess uh, with that being said, though, I you know I I think my here's here's my guess <laughs> from having done this podcast for a long time and from being out on the Twitter streets you know, arguing for QBX. Um, I've heard just about every argument that there is, right? And I I guarantee you that there are people who are listening to this right now, listening to this episode, enjoying it, and, you know, uh, probably even taking away some very useful information. But they're also screaming at us right now that the high ground for you on that roster, you've got seven quarterbacks, but it's really Pat Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins is a backup. You know, the the rest of those guys, it's they're they're what they're yelling at us right now is when are you ever gonna start? You know, when you've got Pat Mahomes and you've got Jalen Hurts, when are you ever gonna start Jimmy Garoppolo, even if he ends up with a starting job somewhere? When are you ever going to start rookie Desmond Ritter over, you know, Mahomes Hurts and potentially cousins you know when are those guys ever going to make it into your lineup you know my answer and i have an answer to this <laughs> I, I i actually do uh, i just feel like um we need a dev a devil's advocate uh, kind of perspective on this and uh and that that needs to be represented because like i said i just i just feel it right now without before any before this is actually released nobody's actually hearing this yet and i can already just feel the change in energy in the universe as people are yelling right now your the high ground that you took was not in the quantity but in the quality that the the advantage that you created was putting pat mahomes and jalen hurts together and then you know kurt cousins is the backup it's not in the uh the depth that you created. And this is was in February and Jalen Hurts was not viewed as a strength True. at the time. Yeah. I was half mocked for taking him to 11 
Um, and I had some interesting trade possibilities um, soon after the draft. And I put out Jalen Hurts. And the response from two of the owners was, I'm not so sure he's going to be long-term option there. I don't really feel comfortable with that. And, you know, how four months changes things. Yeah. Um, it, and in, it really in, hasn't. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, that that's still there with Jalen Hurts. And not only that, it's kind of there with Kirk Cousins. That's what's funny to me about, like, where we're at right now with the quarterback position, just the quarterback landscape is like every it feels like nobody is safe right now all of a sudden russell wilson and matthew stafford are the old guys they're they're on the verge of retirement you know we know matt ryan aaron Rodgers, and tom brady are all right there but you know the saints hate hate Jameis winston and the detroit lions hate jared goff and you know, all of these guys are just going to be one-year propositions all of a sudden, and that includes Jalen Hurts. Like, that's still there. People are still worried about that. And, I, and I, you know, I mentioned it last week. If Jalen Hurts isn't starting for the Philadelphia Eagles, he's starting somewhere. And, like, that's kind of the case with all these guys. I think that we can we can pump the brakes a little bit on just – completely wiping out the quarterbacks <laughs> the quarterback position it's not like we're getting so many you know game changing you know franchise quarterbacks in 2023 that all of these jobs can just be completely wiped out and refreshed with a rookie it doesn't work that way so anyways it's like kind of a side rant but like it's it's a kind of important piece of context when you're talking about this roster too, because you know, the, the fear that Jalen hurts and Kirk cousins are going to be one year propositions for you um, makes this look even less high ground than, than what it actually is. And the difficult thing, it being a dynasty is you have to think in more terms of assets than just your starting lineup this year. And that's always hard for me. I am a very much a win now guy, typically. So I was intentionally like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a little bit of a different, you know, overall approach, not just high ground or QBX, but just the approach of I'm going to build that value. And it's only going to take, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was, I don't know, 14th round. There was some IDP and it still got stretched out after the ninth a little bit. Darnold was like 18th. Malik Willis. Desmond Ritter is like mid and late second round rookie draft. Like only one of these guys has to hit enough for me to trade him for first mm -hmm. for me to gain back like all of that value. Yeah. Only one of them. And if I can even trade one of them mid season, if one of them is starting like Darnold, which one of my favorite theories is if Baker does get traded to Panthers, I mean, Darnold's going to go back to Cleveland, hmm. right? Why wouldn't he? Yeah, maybe. So anyway, yeah. there's opportunity. There's all kinds. <laughs> there's so much volatility. You're right in the quarterback, unlike we've seen in a long time. And I can understand someone saying, like you're saying, that it's a bad idea to do right now. But again, <laughs> you're getting them at the values I'm getting them that it was like, yeah, I paid up at the top. But these other guys, at the 
point I was drafting them, I was better off investing on those lottery tickets than the players, like the actual supposed starting, what, what they wouldn't have been starter worthy at that point, but the other players that I could have taken at those points in the draft. Um, I ended up with Saquon Barkley and accidentally David Montgomery as my running backs. And my wide receivers are probably my weakest. I ended up with Michael Thomas, Mike Williams, uh, Brandon Cooks, and I traded for Amon Ross St. Brown, I think. And my tight ends are Waller and Higby. So they're not bad, the tight ends, I mean. So really, my probably wide, wide receivers are the weakest group. And like I said, I was going into that and identified that that I'm okay with that. The thing I, I do want to say, we're talking about applying high ground to QBX, but the reason I I think this approach and being intentional and saying these things out loud about high ground is is valuable is because for the person who's listening and saying all the things they had against your position that you were saying, I would say that's fine. Just use high ground a different way. Because if you think it's silly that everyone's taking two quarterbacks in the first two rounds, half the teams are taking two quarterbacks in the first two rounds, that's okay. High ground allows you to pivot. And as long, basically high ground, you should be identifying the feasible approaches. The feasible approaches. Um, mm -hmm. Which, unless your scoring is really messed up, almost all of these approaches are feasible because at the end of the day, like it or not, we can talk about what position you should be taking and how many. It really comes down to the players. It's just that the whether the players hit and do what we think they're going to do is the thing we know the least about. <laughs> so <laughs> it's hard to talk about it right now. We can give projections all we like, but um, at the end of the day, it's, it's somebody's going to pick the right collection of individual players and how they got there as far as roster construction is not going to be i don't want to say it's not important um it's not going to be the deciding factor but that roster construction might have led them to the values they got is what we're trying to shoot for and mm -hmm. so i would say look if you want to don't don't do high ground with the quarterbacks then i know i know you want to do qbx but if everyone's doing that, I can take high ground draft approach and you could, I can go into a draft and you can tell me, Josh, you're going to be doing robust running back. And I'll be like, okay, I'll do that. And hmm. I can follow these tenets and come out with a high ground team for running back at my high ground. Yeah. And I can pivot, you know, I can come into the draft, especially if I'm like late at the turn 12 or something. And I'm seeing everyone's taking quarterback. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to double tap running back here at the end. And I'll find some quarterbacks later. They're going to be my, maybe not my worst position, because that's not a very good one to be worst at, but they're not going to be my best. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to need to now decide whether tight end or wide receiver are going to be my worst, probably tight end. So I'm just going to completely pass on tight end till the very end. Hope I can hit on some guys. And we'll hit on some qb2s in the mid rounds and hope one of them outperforms adp like that's that's a high ground approach is to just go okay we're gonna go running back running back third round let's see where we're at if the values aren't there don't reach 
you might hit running back again. Or by then, maybe, and I've had this in even, I think, last year's uh, Scott Fishbowl, everyone hit on quarterback really quick, but then everyone stopped drafting quarterbacks all of a sudden. That's that's the most likely scenario in most dynasty startups right now as well. Yeah. yeah. So you might have been <clears throat> able, and in that, in that case, it worked for you because mm-hmm. they were now trying to take running backs in the third, fourth, fifth round. You I, I've already got them. So yeah. now I can take wide receivers, and when the values actually start to line up with the cost, I can start taking quarterbacks. And yeah, again, I don't have great ones, but I've gained back those point-per-game values at my advantages to overcome my disadvantages. And mm-hmm. so as long as you can make up those weaknesses later, be it through at the end of the draft and hitting on the right guys be it through trading in a dynasty setting, waivers. All of these are ways to now target your weakness after the draft. So it may not even be, you came out of the draft with the worst tight ends, but by the time the season starts, you just have an average tight end positional group. It doesn't matter. You can make trades. You can do other things. Um, And actually, in some ways, that's helpful, especially is you're coming out of a high ground draft knowing your weakness you know exactly what it is you know exactly what you need to target you know exactly what you need to fix and uh friend of mine looked up um you know all these win rates for team for players and stuff in best balls and a couple years ago i think it was i can't remember it was last year or the year before it was really funny because jack doyle had an extremely high win rate he like didn't play most of the year. Yeah. How does Jack Doyle have such a high win rate? And the only conclusion I can come to is, oh, those teams needed tight end. And they went to the waiver wire and they picked up. They went all out with Fab to pick up Dalton Schultz when Jarvis got hurt. Mm-hmm. And that worked out. You know, those are the things. When you have Darren Waller or kelsey on your team you're not paying up for dalton schultz after jarvis gets hurt a couple years ago yeah you you don't need to you might put in a low bid but just in case but you're not going all out and so what happened was the teams that knew they needed tight end were churning that end of the roster until they found somebody until they hit on someone or they were streaming it every single week they were actually ended up with a net positive based on the players they got instead of that early tight end combined with what they were able to recoup in the streaming or the pickup or anything like that. And so it ends up as a net positive. Yeah. So uh, what I, what I would really like to do is kind of a SWOT analysis on each of the uh, different positions Um but I want to stay at quarterback just for a minute, because like I said earlier, I, I like this can at least at the very least, it can be interpreted as an even more extreme version of quarterback extreme, you know, because really kind of the guidelines of, of QBX it's, it's, you know, we're, we're going quarterbacks early and often, but we're, like I said earlier, we're, we're also kind of dipping a toe into another, uh, into another position, you know, we're, we're not even dipping a toe. We're kind of solidifying 
another position um, simultaneously. And, you know, I really kind of the goal is we're, we're really just kind of following ADP. We're essentially saying, you know, it seems like starting NFL quarterbacks dry up somewhere around like the 10th round. So we want to have our five by then. But if, if, you know, if, if people are, and this is, this is, this isn't likely right now. And at this point in 2022, it's very unlikely that you're going to see a draft that looks like this. But if hypothetically you had uh, your entire league was, you know, maybe they come into it without super flex experience, still using some of the one quarterback approaches that they're, that they're used to. We see that a lot, you know, newcomers to super flex uh, come in and, and draft the same way that they would draft a, uh, a one quarterback league focusing on running backs. And right now in particular, focusing on wide receivers, you would see a lot of people going after, you know, you would see Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase and Cooper cup all going in the first round. You would see probably, you know, two or three running backs in the first round pretty easily. Um, you know, and, and so kind of the takeaway you're, you know, you're at the, the one, two turn. And the takeaway is that this league is not going to appropriate, appropriately value quarterbacks. So you start off quarterback, quarterback, and then you still see this, you know, several teams, half of your league still taking kind of a late round approach to quarterback. And they're feeling more bold in that. They're feeling more, uh, you know, more energized to do that because they see each other doing it. You know, this is this is this this is honestly this is kind of the number one problem with, um, with with the way we draft. It's very reactionary to what's going on around us, and that's why. To me, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I try so hard to, um, to push this quarterback extreme strategy because it is basically saying we're doing this regardless of what's going on around us. What everybody else does doesn't matter. All that matters is what we're trying to get to. And this is how we're going to get there regardless of what anyone else does. But anyways, in this hypothetical situation, which is not honestly that hypothetical because again you know this is this is a way most people draft they react to the rest of their league and if you know if you passed on quarterback in the first round and got away with it you're probably going to feel like you can do it again in the second round and then so by the time the scene gets back to you at the end of the third you know you're going to be in and you know quarterbacks still haven't caught up to where their value should actually be. I mean, there's going to be a temptation there for you to go quarterback, quarterback again, right? Is that, is that kind of, uh, is that accurate? Is that, um, you know, if they're, if they're giving you that type of high ground, are you going to, are you going to take it? Are you going to keep going quarterback until they finally catch on? Yeah. Again, it depends on every league, which is why is this so nebulous, but I would say that, if doing a high ground draft, I would continue to take the position that I consider my strength 
regardless of ADP, again, focusing more on like the, those positional averages and also just a history of knowledge of what quarterbacks are going to be worth compared to what they are worth in this draft, which I think is what you're kind of referring to that we're so reactionary. And right after a draft, a, a quarterback that was taken in the fifth round um, can suddenly be traded for a player that was drafted in the fourth right after a draft. And it doesn't make any sense, right? <laughs> but that's where ADP had them. And that's where people felt like they needed these particular positions and they liked the players and they had, maybe they had their two quarterbacks. And so now, even though this quarterback in the fourth, fifth round is technically more valuable as an asset, again, thinking of it that way, it's more valuable as an asset than the wide receiver or running back that they could draft at this at this spot for mm. points in their starting lineup. So they'll take the guy who fills points in their lineup, even though it's not as valuable an asset. They'll bypass it. And it's at that point where high ground is allowing me to say, no, if I take this running back or wide receiver at this point, I'm chasing a weakness. I'm chasing those starting lineup points just for the sake of having someone in my starting lineup. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep chasing my strength I'm not going to bail them out. I'm going to reinforce my strength and I'm going to utilize the league mechanics, trading, whatever, to fix anything I still need to fix later. But I'm not going to bypass. I'm not going to give up on values. That was one of the, the principles is, is, yeah, you don't want to, to change. You don't want to give up on what you're doing. But you also don't want to pass up on values that are presented to you, even if it doesn't align with your strategy at the moment. So even if I'm doing a high ground running back, if um, if Mark Andrews falls to me at the third round reversal 301 in Scott Fishbowl draft, I, I had planned on taking you know a third running back or something like that, or even Kirk Cousins if he's there. But if Mark Andrews is there, then I'm like, well, no, this is the value. I can pivot. So it's still flexible um, in not passing up on values. But what I find more often than not is the strength that you're chasing ends up being a value compared to what you'd be chasing to fill a spot. Yeah. Did okay. that make any sense? It did. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um so, yeah, like I said, I kind of want to do just like a SWOT analysis type of thing with the different positions. And I feel like that really kind of sums up, you know, what, what the the reasons to do it or not do it at quarterback and kind of the um, the approach to take. So, like, I feel like we can probably skip over that one. But honestly, the one that I'm – the most curious about, I'm wondering if you've done, if you've taken a high ground type of approach with wide receiver and, you know, what are the cues, uh, that, that kind of trigger that approach and what are the, both the strengths and the weaknesses of taking that approach? 
Uh, I actually recently completed a FFPC Dynasty startup mm-hmm. where, uh, and I had a partner for it, and we decided to take a little bit more of a balanced um, wide receiver running back, but pr- primarily to start with wide receiver. And it, it turned out uh, pretty good. Um, what ended up happening was, as usual, the tight end position was our worst <laughs> That tip, because there's actually no premium in that league. So it's a really easy decision to make that your worst. Um, but quarterback probably was our, our third worst, to be honest. Um, it's, I'm going to pull up this roster, um, but we kind of just picked our spots and we ended up with some, some good players, I thought. Um, but we definitely did chase early. The opportunity was there. One thing we identified was in these leagues um, and a lot, just a trend, NFL fantasy trend is there's a lot more volatility you know we've been focusing on quarterback volatility there's actually a lot more volatility in wide receivers lately at the top um a lot of wide receiver ones are coming from much later i mean cooper cup and jamar chase were like sixth and seventh round draft picks last year Mm -hmm. and the difference between taking cup or woods you know in that same range because they were going right next to each other was massive um you're able to hit on those and it's always hindsight so we're not really sure who's gonna be the one that jumps up now but there's only a few that we're really confident are gonna be there again you know health allowing and so that's why we kind of like said we're gonna we're gonna chase top wide receivers and and this is a best ball league i'm not sure if i said that i said it's ffpc it's a best ball dynasty so being a best ball league you know i'm much more comfortable going with a little bit of a zero running back approach of stacking up late guys mm-hmm. because it's a running back i don't need to worry about when there's injury and when i need to insert them best ball takes care of that for me so again it's all about knowing your league and the settings so I knew that. So we went into it and we said, we're going to get these top wide receivers. We're going to get, grab some good running backs when we can. We ended up getting Christian McCaffrey as our anchor in the first round, but then flipped right over to Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Deontay Johnson. Um, we got Leonard Fournette late. Stafford fell a little bit. We traded in and got him. So we, we moved around. I'm pretty happy with that approach. Um, again, it was because of best ball and I was happy to do that as far as running backs. Um, but there is some value there in recognizing, I have no idea who the wide receiver six through 16 is going to be this year. Like that is such a nebulous like zone of, uh, uh, just a mass of wide receivers. There's like 30 of them that could be. And I did, a. I did a bit of a study on ADP and how good we are at ADP. And I was finding that, um, like, if you if you sort players by their points per game and you put them into 12-player tiers, right, and then line that up against the ADP, it wasn't until the third round that a wide receiver that was taken in the third round actually returned tier three points per game. 
Um, there were wide receivers taken in the first and second round, but none of them actually returned to points per game that got them up in that range. And so it's like, when it comes to third round, I want to be hitting those wide receivers that if I'm just going for a, a scatter shot. But there is some value, I think, in taking this. I mean, there's three guys we all know who they are, and then it's maybe Adams too, but we're not really sure. And uh, people seem to be really off Tyreek Hill. But, I mean, we had a chance to get Cooper Cup in the early second round, and to me that was like a no-brainer. Um, I think he is he's going into a golden era of his career here like we saw Antonio Brown have for a few seasons and that only got cut short because he started going a little crazy. <laughs> um, I think he easily would have had another running back one season the year that, you know, he went to the Patriots and then disappeared. And per game, he was almost there again in Tampa Bay two years ago. So uh, it's, I, I think C Cooper Cup doesn't have, we don't foresee any of those issues as long as they keep having their breakfast club meetings. I think they should be okay. Um, they got them all signed up. Like I see a solid two, three years of wide receiver top six results from Cooper cup. I mean, is he going to be the wide receiver one overall? I don't know, but I'm not betting against any single other player over him. And so that's a valuable pick because I have, I don't have that confidence in the other players. It's, it's Justin Jefferson Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase. Those guys, I feel confident, are going to finish up there. I don't have that confidence. Whereas running back, there's, again, in that ADP study, it was about 40 to 50% of the running backs that were taken in the first, second, third round were actually producing at that PPR, at actually points per game. And you say, well, 40, 50% is not great. Well, I mean, comparatively, it's it's pretty good. And and it's same, it was the same thing for quarterbacks. They were right around 50% of the quarterbacks who were taking up in that range were actually returning in that range. Again, no wide receivers until the third round. No tight ends until the third round actually hit at their value, and that was Mark Andrews. So uh, he exceeded, well exceeded that. So it's, it's a matter of looking at all those kind of information as well. Um, to identify your approach. Again, high ground just identifies the feasible approaches and then just is trying to get you to stick to it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the biggest thing is whatever you do pick, like be decisive, stick to it, commit. It's, it's, it might not work, but I know it won't work if you wuss out halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> Like it may not work even if you do it perfectly, but that's how it always is. But I can guarantee you it won't work if you start reaching on whatever your weakness is in the middle of the draft and taking guys, you know, well ahead of their positional value. I'm, I bring that up because it's like if you're, if you're at the point in the draft where you could be drafting the, the 19th wide receiver off the board, or you could be drafting the 24th running back off the board. Well, if that's Scott Fishbowl, the 19th is getting you 196 points on average over the season. The 24th is getting you 168. That's a 30-point swing that you're chasing. You mm -hmm. know, and, and the points per game is a good... Um, well, points per game is not different because of the running back being more volatile. But 
my point being you're you're really chasing at that point and that's why knowing some of those details some of that information of where in the draft and what rounds to target what positions is going to help you chart your course through the draft and i i say you want to go into a draft with that plan okay i'm going to take this position this position at that round at this position i'm either going to go this way or this way and you're going to have that plan for the first five six rounds but around the third round you're going to be prepared to evaluate and change you 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 can pivot with this because you can easily turn what you thought was going to be your high ground into just a really good position group mm-hmm. you know your second best position group and that is one of the goals is you want to come up with the top half uh, at another position group still um you want to be the best at one you want to be a worst like you want it sounds really weird you want to be the worst if you don't come out the worst that means you messed up or your league mates really messed up and gave you some crazy value at the very end right which mm-hmm. is possible but pretty much you want the best at one and you still want to be really good at another one and maybe you know i maybe you go running back running back at the beginning and then you don't go running back again for a really really long time because that's just you discover no the pivot is they're all drafting like one quarterback leagues you discover you know what i'm going to start loading up on these quarterbacks because at this point in the third round that positional value that just knowledge of dynasty and assets you know that it's going to be way more valuable you start you just start double tapping you know if you're in the end or whatever it is you start going after those quarterbacks and now you're making and this is one part i mentioned it a little bit the opportunity cost <laughs> it's you're, you're also opportunity cost for the other side and it's a little bit of a, a a perverse pleasure in you know it's we do this and this is big picture we do this with everything in life we always feel like whatever our anxieties are whatever we're going through like we're the only one right um it's really easy to do that in a draft and thankfully it's not nearly as serious an issue but so you can actually kind of take pleasure in it when you can actually step back and think about it and put yourself in the other people's shoes and realize that even though you're looking at their wide receivers thinking oh shoot their wide receivers are so much better than mine they're looking at your league your your team and thinking oh man his quarterbacks are so much better than mine mm-hmm. and if you just keep that awareness it, it i take pleasure in it like i said when i get to when i get to a turn you know, and, and the guy, let's say I'm at the 11 spot and the guy on the turn hasn't taken any running backs or something. And, uh, and he's confident. Oh, I swapped that. Sorry. If I'm at the turn and the guy at the 11 is confident, I'm not going to take another quarterback, right? Yeah. Surely he's not going to take another quarterback. I can wait until after the turn to take the guy I want. I'm going to get the running back I want here. Nope. I'm double tapping those quarterbacks and he's going, what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and then he finally does that. react, right? Like that's where yeah. that's where they finally do in and you kind of set off a run at that position which kind of opens up another position. So, that's what yes. I love about it. That's and and that's I mean that is a big part of quarterback extreme, but I think that high ground explains that a little bit better and and really kind of holds you to that a little bit better. Um so this is this is a little bit of a tough question, a little bit 
maybe a little bit of a loaded question, possibly even a little misguided <laughs> because, uh, it, uh, and, and I'm, so I'm going to preface it to just to clean it up right up front <clears throat> because the reality is to say that the high ground strategy didn't work for whatever reason isn't that that's not really saying that like yeah you know zero zero running back would have worked high ground would not quarterback extreme would would have worked high ground would not like that's this is high ground is really just kind of a parent strategy to all the all of these um you know more focused strategies essentially so uh, so we're not saying that uh, you know, there's like an inherent flaw in high ground that isn't there in any other strategy. Like just by definition, this, it, this is, it's, it's just kind of like a, 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 a broader term for all of these draft strategies combined. So if there's a flaw in high ground, it means that there was a flaw in whatever strategy, you know, whatever approach you ended up taking essentially but uh i do think that like i said at the beginning i think that there's um you know some some devil's advocate perspective that probably needs to be uh we need to make sure that we represent that here so have you seen this not work and what caused it to not work yeah no i mean i understand what you're saying obviously the, the problem when something doesn't work is typically the players, right? There was injury. Um, your strength no longer was a strength that you were expecting it to be, that kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, I would say probably when it didn't work as an actual strategy, as a when the mechanics of it didn't work, probably was uh, when I've either misjudged the room and whatever extreme I picked was not as contrarian as I had hoped it was going to be. Mm -hmm. That's one. Yeah. Um, secondly, it would be if I misjudged those positional values, if I misjudged um, what was truly a feasible approach. You know, I kind of brag that, you know, hey, you tell me what to draft and I'll draft it. Zero running back robust, whatever, you tell me I can do it with high ground. But maybe in the specific league settings, it's not quite as feasible. Because um, I will say, I mean, you know, in, in 11, in an 11 team league, that's, or a 12 team league, that's 11 other opportunities for somebody to block you from this or to you know to replicate what you're doing and but but i guess that's that's part of the question though if they if they were to do that if you were both you know you and one other person both go quarterback extreme you and one other person both go you know uh robust running back or whatever you know whatever you want to call you know running back high ground i kind of like that personally i like i think that that should be the terminology that we use from now on is running back high ground. Uh, I like that better than robust running back personally, because <laughs> robust doesn't quite tell the story of, of what we're going for here. Um, so running back high ground, you know, two people do that. 
at least in theory, you're kind of counterfeiting each other. But does that necessarily uh, mean that, you know, your your roster build isn't going to have an advantage, you know, over the rest of the league, including that other team? I, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think so. There would have to be three or four teams total really going after what I'm doing mm-hmm. for it to really adversely affect you. Yeah, if it's just even if it's three teams, including yourself, you're okay, I, I think. And I'm I'm saying that as a very general observation um, because, again, this can be used for different high ground positions. Um, but I see especially zero running back, which is probably the one, the, the version of these extremes that we have the most data for. Oh, I guess robust running back two or high, running back high ground, uh, I suppose as well. But even so, the people who say they're doing um, robust running back, they they typically aren't actually even doing it to the extent I would be doing it, or to the extent that a zero running back person is doing it with wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you really should be taking like four out of the first five should be running back if you're going running back high ground, like. Yeah. You should have four of those top guys. Um, well, starting lineup allowing, of course. But um, I will say one example where it failed me um, was last year's Scott Fishbowl. I thought that I could make up for weakness in quarterback. And... Again, this is a little bit because of a player thing, but neither Trey Lance nor Justin Fields did anything for me. Like, they did absolutely nothing. And I think I had Derek Carr, and I can't remember who else, and they did okay for me, but they didn't. I didn't make up the advantage. Oh, I had Tannehill, I think, and he didn't have a very good year. And so I, I did not make up, I did not recoup that weakness nearly as much as I, I thought I, I could by waiting. Um, and so, yeah, my other positions were pretty good, but I didn't get that boost. And so that was a little bit of a more of a process, a player process failure. Um, but that's, again, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a failure of, of high ground. That's just the risk you run. And, and, Going back to a little bit the portfolio approach, I meant to say at the beginning of this, if anyone hasn't listened to the last episode here of uh, Superflex Super Show with Scott Connor, like I listened to that and that's when I called up John and was like, I want to talk about high ground because so much of what you guys were talking about towards the end about um, really going extreme and committing, right, really jumps off, I feel, into this, this high ground. And... Um, that's where maybe a portfolio approach, even with high ground, you know, works out because every season is different. There's been seasons where zero running back worked really well because a lot of, uh, top running back injuries happened. Hmm. We don't know those things until it happens, you know? So every season is even different. We had the 2020 massive boost in quarterback scoring, uh, which I think was fairly artificial. And so everyone overreacted last year. 
um, again, looking at my positional averages, I was like, well, that was an anomaly. And even if it's trending up slowly, it's not going to be that high again. This is crazy. So I was fading early quarterbacks last year. Sorry, John. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there, there's a lot of these things that you can look at that are go beyond just the, the high ground. And again, you could you could draft different high grounds and depending on how the season goes, one of those could hit and you're not going to know which one it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, so the reason I, I felt like that's kind of important to, uh, you know, an important useful exercise is I, I, and this is just kind of true of everything. This is life in general, you know, um, the, the, sometimes the thing that keeps us from, doing something that we know uh is is you know the the right thing at that moment regardless of what we're talking about but just you know in the context of dynasty football it's the strategy that you you've you've kind of landed on this strategy this is what i want to do in my startup this is what i want this roster to look like and you know the the draft starts and you see some of the names going ahead of you that uh, that you were really kind of targeting for, you know, to take this approach and that fear sets in, right. That, the and you know, you start second guessing what you are going to do and what, you know, and you start to worry that, you know, without, without that player, without these players that I was targeting all along, I don't know that I'm going to be able to make this work right. First of all, we talk all the time on the Superflex super show about how the names don't matter. The strategy matters. The process matters. Um, you know, the the roster build matters. Setting lineups matters. The names on your roster don't matter. You can, if you've got the right roster build, you're, you know, the you're you're going to win regardless of the names. But, you know, I I I think that people do kind of succumb to that fear sometimes. And, you know, it's just kind of this, uh, this, this feeling that, um, you know, this, this isn't going to work. This is going to fail. There's this fear of failure that we have that, you know, in, in everything that we do. And it, it spills over into dynasty football sometimes. Uh, it spills over into fantasy football in general sometimes. And I think that it's important to, to really kind of label that and really kind of look at what, what would that look like for this to fail? And what I think that you said there is very important, which is that the strategy didn't fail. Then, you know, the names failed, but you know, there's also, like you said, there's an opportunity here to take the same approach, you know, a, a similar approach, not the exact same approach, but a similar approach across multiple leagues and, you know, if you if you do a, if you take a, you know, a, a running back high ground approach in one league and then a quarterback extreme approach in another league, chances are one of those two is going to do well. And that, you know, back to portfolio, that's kind of the beauty of that is, you know, not only are the odds in your favor that one of those two is going to work out well, at least one of those two is going to work out well. You also get to bail on the one that didn't and focus on the one that did and, you know, focus, uh, 
focus your efforts into winning that one anyways, and then focus your efforts on the other one into rebuilding it into, um, you know, in a way that's going to turn it around in, uh, in, you know, upcoming seasons. So, you know, there's, there's just so much there that, that allows you to, you know, kind of look past to get past that fear of failure. And I mean, we've all had that happen where we're in a startup and we were targeting someone and they come off the board ahead of us. It's so much worse than Scott Fishbowl, by the way, because once, once that player is taken, I mean, they're just not available to you anymore ever again, unless like they accidentally get dropped, which in that, it, you know, even then I think Scott's probably going to jump in and put them back on the roster. So it's like you, cause you can't trade. So, you know, so many I've, I've had uh, in previous years, I've had so many people snipe me on Aaron Rodgers just because they know how that that's going to ruin me. And, uh, and, and it, it, you know, it does, it kind of sets in for me, this gloom and doom kind of sets in. I'm like, how am I supposed to win without Aaron Rodgers? Is that even possible? I, I don't think so. I mean, I guess we're going to find out, but, and then, you know, when I ultimately don't go on to win this, you know, several thousand person tournament, I just blame it on the fact that I didn't have Aaron Rodgers. If only I had Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I would have, I would have, I would have ran away with this thing. I would have been the one wearing the wrestling singlet with the championship belt and the cowboy hat, you know, but we've all had that. We've all seen, you know, that player that we were targeting or, you know, we've seen, you know, a run of, uh, at a certain position go ahead of us and felt that, that dread of like, what the hell do I do now? And it's just so important to stick to the process, stick to the strategy and recognize that failure is not going to be because, you know, because this strategy didn't work. Like that's not, that's not what happens. In fact, you know, we talked about it last week with Scott, you know, the just having a strategy is, you know, that, that puts you, um, much closer, uh, that puts you on the path to success. And, you know, even if for one season, it doesn't work, even if the, the, you know, the names fail, like you said, though, it's the names. It, it wasn't the strategy. It wasn't the process. It was just the names on the roster. So, I, so I think that that's vitally important. I really like that. Um, I feel like we could probably keep talking about it, but I also think that we're getting a little close on time here. Um, I want to respect your time. And um, I, I, I'm curious, though, if we missed anything when it comes to the high ground approach, like anything that that uh, that we didn't touch on that uh, is is kind of an important um, an important talking point to all of this no we had a lot of it uh, one thing i didn't say specifically was i mean i mentioned it about being ready to pivot and and one way i worded that was you're, you're watching what your opponents are taking but not who mm -hmm. you're watching what they're taking 
and and that's where you can get caught up in like you said the names and and oh no they took Aaron Rodgers but <laughs> but you know even though that one team took Aaron Rodgers meanwhile most of the other teams are not taking quarterbacks so the quarterback hill is still open for you to take you know and the who isn't as important yeah. um and so and and that other part what you said I mean, I don't write a ton of articles anymore and I was never the best writer, but one of the first things I wrote when I started creating content was uh, an article and the whole point was stop playing fantasy football scared. Yes. Stop. Yep. Um, whether it's your waiver pickups, your who you're going to be streaming at tight end this week, like you just got to go for it. There's no upside to playing it safe. And so that's a little bit in the background here with high ground too, is because there's no benefit to having an average vanilla team. There's no upside there. Mm -hmm. Um, The upside is in the extremes. That's why all of these extreme strategies have developed. And that's exactly why I wanted to create a, I like how you said that, a parent strategy that can explain and can produce any one of them. Yeah, um, and hold you accountable to it. Time. Yeah, right. yeah. Which again, that's that's vitally important. You know, it's it's vitally important to once you settle on a strategy to stick to it. I I keep saying it, and eventually, um, I'm <laughs> this is this is turning into another one of my hills, um, as if I don't have enough of those. Uh, but you know, the idea that they you know, you, you just, you go into a a draft with the, with the plan to just be flexible with it. Like that's fine to an extent. And in fact, that's, that's kind of the starting point for high, high ground. We're not saying that you necessarily choose ahead of time, um, which, which I'm fine with. I mean, for me, it's still quarterback extreme quarterback. High ground is still the one that I'm going to choose, but I, I don't think that you have to, until you start to see the way your draft is falling but once you get there you know once once you land on one you got to stick with it the whole like i said you know to me reacting to what other people is are doing is the number one uh the number one reason that people struggle in this game you know when when you start letting people make your decisions for you that's when they've got you. So, you know, make your decisions and stick to it. And again, you know, if you, if you commit to the high ground strategy and it's kind of regardless of the position that you're going to focus on, but if you commit to doing that, you're going to ignore what everybody else is doing. And you're going to build the, the roster that you know is the roster that, uh, is going to give you the best chance of success. So I think this is all super important. Um, and I think that it's, that it's really useful, you know, beyond being this like actionable strategy, I think that it's just an important exercise in, we talk, <laughs> end up talking a lot about the psychology of fantasy football. That's kind of what we're talking about here is, you know, forcing yourself to do uh, what you committed to doing. You know, that's it's 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 a discipline thing that, um, you know, that that it's really easy to let yourself off the hook. Um, But if you commit to this strategy, you're going to stick to it. 
I just put together a whole bunch of really obvious things that we all know already <laughs> yeah. into a list and said, okay, you're going to actually be intentional about it. And that's hopefully going to bring you that, that confidence now, the, the clarity, the decisiveness to stick with it. And hopefully that'll hold off some of the anxiety, you know, and, and you can, I, I'm comfortable with pivoting and making what I thought was going to be my strength, just my second best. And, and every situation is is different if that's even possible. Um, and it depends on how you're going to grade best. I mean, you could have the two best running backs, but um, then not have any more running backs. And you're just hitting up tons of wide receivers. And so you have a lot of good wide receivers. And how is, is that better than the two best running backs? You know, it depends on how you want to judge it. It can It can go either way. But the important thing is that you knew exactly what you were doing when you did it. Yeah. Even that, even if you're going to pivot, you're consciously saying, you know what? I'm making the decision right now. The way that this draft is going, the where the values are, I'm happy with that position. And it's good now. I actually don't have to do anything more. I'm going to make this other thing my strength from here on out. So even at that point, it's still a decisiveness thing. It's still a decision and it still gives you that confidence moving forward. And that was one thing you and Scott um, said last week, which was, or I listened to it last week, uh, <laughs> which is to to dictate your draft and not be reactionary. So when I say when I say I'm ready to pivot, it's still not reactionary because I'm not letting them force me. I'm just choosing the best option that's available at the time. Um, and if that means I'm going to change my strategy. I'm still evaluating before, and I still already knew what that next best was. And if it's not my next best, I'm not going to flip from my first to what I decided was going to be my worst. You know, mm -hmm. it's not going to be that kind of pivot. It's just going to be flipping from your second best to first uh, strength. And it's just about being intentional about it. Yeah. Being intentional, sticking to it. Yep. It's all important stuff. So there's an evergreen ish episode of uh fantasy f or of the fusion fantasy football podcast episode 130 that was almost a year ago to the day uh and it's interesting that's why i say ish on the evergreen because uh it happened to be right around the start of scott fishbowl last year um and uh it's it's interesting to hear you talking about um the draft in hindsight you know, when, when you're talking about, um, you know, kind of a late round quarterback approach, it's redraft. So, you know, it, it makes a little bit more sense to, uh, uh, you know, you, you, we're not prioritizing foundational quarterbacks quite as much in redraft. There's kind of no reason to necessarily, because, you know, if, even if you get it wrong this year, I mean, you just start over next year with a clean slate. So, um, but it, it was interesting to hear some of the names. Um, Tyrod Taylor was kind of one of them uh, that you ended up with. And um, at the time, it felt like, oh, I, hey, you know what? I just got a starting quarterback throwing to Brandon Cooks all season. I, you know, I'm good. Um, and then in retrospect, we're just like, oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> but I'm sure you've, you figured it out along the way. So it's just like it's just kind of interesting to hear you know, how the 2021 Scott Fishbowl draft was going. Um, but beyond that, 
I mean, the information itself, the the meat and potatoes of that episode, like I said, is pretty evergreen. I would definitely recommend checking that out. There's also a written article at fusionffb.com. So uh, plenty of ways to, to kind of um, understand and uh, consume more on the high ground strategy. We could easily keep talking about that, but we've got another purpose that we need to get to here before we wrap this show up. Tell me about Fusion Flex. Well, John, it was two years ago, which I was thinking was last year, and I was like, wait, no, this was two years ago. I, I had you on my show, and you helped me work through some of the details of what became Fusion Flex. Um, it was born out of, of looking at the Superflex, the current state of the Superflex format. Um, not specifically Redraft or Dynasty, but just in general. And just like when I asked you before, why why are quarterbacks so valuable? Well, it's scarcity and it's it's how much they score their points. And because there's only going to be 32 starting ones, and even then probably only 24 are going to be good. So what are we going to do about that? And identified the problem being... Um, the problem is we took one quarterback and the scoring for quarterback that was made for one quarterback and we just added on another quarterback. We didn't change the scoring for quarterback and one quarterback scoring was very favorable to a single quarterback and that made sense when it was a single quarterback. But in some ways, I think Superflex quarterbacks score too many points it shouldn't be mm -hmm. that high yeah. you know they've become they've they've um supplanted running backs as the key currency position in super flex drafts uh leagues and a lot of smart people from um I know, addison to to scott fish himself have worked on this talked about this scott fish bull over the last two seasons, and again this year, has implemented this uh, scoring format, which changes the way we score quarterbacks. And I really liked that. If you're not familiar with it, you can look it up. Um, it really emphasizes the passing more. It emphasizes them taking care of the ball, so sacks and interceptions. Um are and fumbles are all higher negatives than typical and they have to average over a 66.6 percent completion rate and however much over that they go they can gain points from that but they can also lose points if they go below it and so i kind of ran with that and i made an altered version of that superflex uh, i mean that scott fishbowl scoring but John, you helped me crystallize the problem, which I was trying to make a league where you could, and again, this is around the same time as I was doing high ground. I was like, I want to make a format where you could literally draft any roster construction you want, and it would be feasible. Now, at the same time, I'm not going ultra flex, which was a name you're welcome, Ryan McDowell. It was a name I considered, 
And like, what was it? A year later or something, we get Ultra Flex, and I'm like, oh, you're, <laughs> you're lucky I didn't take that. Uh, I went with Fusion Flex thanks to a, a suggestion from from my friend Justin. I, it was right there. He was like, well, it's Fusion FFB, just do Fusion Flex. He was so, totally just going to take whatever you didn't take. By I know. Way. So if you had named it Ultra Flex, he would have called it Fusion Flex. No, he would have just called it Ultra Flex, <laughs> and nobody would have known anything about mine, and I would have had to change. <laughs> Let's be real here. <laughs> but anyway, so um, you helped me crystallize the issue, which is that as soon as you make teams have a quarterback and start a quarterback, and this you can go back two years ago, John, you pointed this out. As soon as you make teams start a quarterback, they're going to need two quarterbacks because every quarterback has a bye week. And so we've created a problem of necessity in a position that's already scarce and at the same time is super valuable. So my solution, which I'm not sure if you offer this as a possibility in seriousness, but I don't care. I did it anyway. <laughs> um, Fusion Flex has a zero starting quarterback requirement. You don't have to start a quarterback if you don't want to. So you now now you don't have to draft them if you don't want to. You aren't committed to having to spend that value or figure it out. If you want to go high ground running back and not worry about quarterbacks, you can do that. You can also focus on quarterbacks if you want to, and you can start up to four of them. Yes, there's four super flex spots in the fusion flex format um these drafts are nuts these are some of the most crazy and fun drafts i have ever been in some of the most extreme approaches in tight end wide receiver and so on that i have ever seen and so many different ones of those styles were competitive all the way down to the end of the season we have now two seasons of uh, two different years. So we did 2020 and we did 2021 history. Um, I'm not really changing anything. Um, I'm really happy with how it's turned out. And so we're doing it again. But the biggest thing is, guys, these are I am running them. If you want the scoring, I'll give you the scoring. Um, you can make a league with it by all means. But the ones I'm running are charity leagues. And so if you are listening to this, you've heard us talking about Scott Fishbowl and you're not in Scott Fishbowl, you're not in a satellite or anything like that. You still want to be involved. You still want to give to charity um, every single dollar. It's just a $25 league, $25, a donation directly, not through me, <laughs> directly to uh, its Break from the Grind charities run by my friend George Reed, 100% of that money. And they have a perfect reputation, a certification, everything you need for real charity. All 100% of that money goes towards buying toys for Toys for Tots. George and others themselves personally and go and do this. Um, so it's an awesome charity, first of all. $25. It's a fun league. If you haven't been able to be a part of Scott Fishbowl, or maybe you are and you just want more of that, kind of thing right this is a great opportunity for you to experience something and still get involved and still help charity 
So hit me up on Twitter. Use the at FusionFFB for this. I have um, some DM groups set up. Um, pretty much last, most of, I think like nine of the players from last year's division is coming back. I want to fill a whole second league. I'm calling it a division. And if I get a whole nother division, we might do a fun like final week championship against between the two divisions or something. But uh, mostly I just want to raise this money for the charity and have fun playing this really, really fun format. Um, again, you could go any approach you want to. Uh, the tight end, it's four super flex spots, like I said, no dedicated quarterback. Uh, two running back, three wide receiver, one tight end, and one receiver flex. So tight end or wide receiver. And it's a whole lot of fun. Like I said, the values are crazy. You can come practice high ground draft for whatever you want to do. John, you can go crazy with quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I can't do this because, I mean, we just know how that draft would look. Like, it's not just me. Like everybody, it, this this happens to me regardless. Like uh, it's happened to me in eliminators. It's happened to me in in you know legitimate dynasty startups. It it happens to me just kind of regardless of the league. Like people see my name in there and they just start taking quarterbacks. Nah, like just to mess with me. So you'll be fine. But I I would really like to see some you know one of my super flex super friends jump in this and uh test it out and see um it you know when when you know how quarterback extreme plays in a fusion flex league when nobody sees it coming i want to see it too i haven't i haven't seen anyone quite do it the guy who won Byronchenko, he keeps he's actually won both years. John Byrne, he's yeah, he's he's a he's a uh, QBX he's disciple. Sneaky sharp. He, he's mm-hmm. a shark. He he's one of these, he's a sleeper. Uh, I mean a ringer. Um mm-hmm. no, he he's he's good and he managed to hit on like some really good quarterback values both years. One of them two years, the first year was Aaron Rodgers. So you'll be glad to hear that. Nice. Um beautiful. Yeah, he he had he held brought him to the championship. So it's it's a ton of fun. Hit me up, we'll get you in. Um I do run it. Currently I run it on and here's a bit of a reason why I haven't been able to I think fill as much as I want to. Currently the only platforms that can actually do the scoring settings as I want to do them are MFL and Flea Flicker. And MFL costs money and i want as much of that money to go to charity as possible but if we get enough people together and they're like no we really just want to do an nmfl then we can all chip in the money and we'll pay for the league that's fine sleeper is is this close with the changes they recently made they're this close to letting me do it Mm -hmm. so if if enough people still want to do it on sleeper i can do the same settings just just really, really close. It won't let me set the quarterback, specifically quarterback rush yards, to something different than everyone else, which is how Fusion Flex is. Fusion Flex only counts the running back, the, the quarterback's rush yards, the same as it scores their passing yards. So your Konami's out there, uh, they better be throwing the ball good too. Uh, I mean, you can get still, you still get points from running on the ground, but it's not quite, 
quite the boost it typically is in, in normal scoring. Uh, so again, there there's some things in there that bring quarterbacks down to par. And because they can score negative if they have a bad week, um, they do still, on average, outscore other positions. But the problem is the week-to-week uncertainty is a lot more felt. Um, this wouldn't work as a best ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then then they then you, everyone would be drafting quarterback extreme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at least they should. Thank you for for giving me the opportunity to put that out there. Hopefully we can fill uh, another division, get another three hundred bucks to to charity, and um, make some kids happy for Christmas. Yeah. There you go. Very worthy cause, and uh, sounds like a fun league just in general. So yeah, definitely. Uh, if if you're interested, uh, DM him at Fusion FFB. Um, you can also follow Josh at generally underscore aware on Twitter. Um, that's not the uh, that's not the one to use to sign up for the uh, to for the charity leagues, but um, that one is just criminally underfollowed. So um, we're getting there, though. We're finally getting we're, we've got a little bit of movement for you. Um, in the, the high ground strategy, like I said, there's a podcast episode, there's a written article. Um, and then just in general, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think that, uh, sounds like you'll be getting back to podcasting and, uh, people can check out the fusion fantasy football podcast. Um, what else, what else am I missing, Josh? Like that's, that's, that's all the, that's about uh, it. I mean, I've been I'll be putting out any more fun uh, research I pull off uh, with what I've I kind of set, set aside active podcasting so I could, uh, you know, hashtag learn to code. And um, I've been able to have some fun things with with that and working with data more on a more uh, detailed level and pulling out some fun things like these positional averages and stuff like that. So nice. um, th- those will all be on the app Fusion FFB. That's purely fantasy football. So that it'll it'll be there when I come up with some fun stuff, and hopefully, I'll have some a few episodes. I'll actually get back on the mic here. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. So we'll be looking out for that too. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. I'm I, now. I'm kind of curious to go see the day. I'm I, I'm not a data guy. I actually really kind of hate it, but um, I I I have seen. Uh, quite a bit of evidence that there's an advantage to be gained by understanding some of the numbers um, and, you know, taking a thoughtful approach to it, which uh, I'm sure you do. You've taken a thoughtful approach to the high ground strategy. So um, I think that uh, we can expect more of the same from your work. So thanks for, uh, for coming on, Josh, always, uh, always fun to talk with you. And uh, this was a very useful um, strategy session. And, and like I said last week, like that's kind of what I'm looking for at the moment. I want to talk strategy. Anyone who comes on here, get ready to talk strategy with me. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, this is, uh, very useful stuff. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate your work and, uh, um, appreciate you, uh, setting up the charity leagues as well. Uh, let's wrap it up there for the week. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF family of podcast mega feed. And then once you've done all that, if you would do me a favor, rate and review the Superflex Super Show. It just helps me to get out to a larger audience. 
then we can touch on more topics that are useful to you, my super friends, and we all just get better together. It was weird. I had something happen in my mic, <laughs> in my ear, in my headset. I'm going to have to edit some stuff. This happened last week, too. Like, I made it through the entire episode and then right at the very end had some shit go south on me that I had to edit out. Um, man, I might even just leave that in just so everybody knows. Like, this has been such a clean episode the whole way Raw, through. Untied. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> just it, nothing that needed to be cut. And then right at the very end, I just get this like pixelated, stupid ass thing in my headset that just threw me off and just like kind of it gave me like a mini stroke for a second. I'm like, wait, what what are, what are we doing? Oh, ending a podcast. Right. OK, cool. Let's do that then. Let's wrap it up for the week. Subscribe, uh, rate and review. Thank you. <laughs> get at me on Twitter. At Superflex, at Superflex Show, but even better, at Superflex Dude. I just don't get on the Super Show account nearly enough. So if you hit me up there, uh, I'm probably going to miss it. If you hit me up as Superflex Dude, then I can, man, I'll retweet, I'll t- retweet your trade polls. Uh, I'll comment on the ones that I, if I disagree with the results, you're going you're gonna to hear about it. You're going to hear why. Uh, I always respond to DMs. Um, talk strategy talk player values talk adp uh we've got some adp mock drafts going on right now by the way so we're gonna have a lot to talk about uh scott fishbowl mock drafts going on right now there's scott fishbowl adp out there as a result of these mock drafts so yeah all kinds of stuff for us to talk about so uh, yeah just uh just slip into the dms and let's chat uh, this episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Catullus. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah.